Good morning. Whether you're joining us online or here in the sanctuary, welcome to First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual community dedicated to a free and responsible search for truth, meaning, and beauty. I'm Carrie Holly Hart, she, her. I'm a seminarian, a candidate for UU Fellowship, and a proud member of First UU. So when I say it is a joy to be here today, it is a joy to be here today with all of you. I especially want to welcome you if you're new to the church. If you're joining us remotely, just say hi where you're from, if you can, in the comments. As we work to create beloved community, we welcome all who would join us in building a better world with more love, more justice, and more real peace. We welcome all who would join us in growing in minds and hearts and spirits. We welcome all who would join us in tearing down systems of oppression of all kinds. We welcome all who would join their purpose to ours in a loving spirit of right relationship. We come from a long tradition of seeing a spark in the divine in every person. It's our tradition this living tradition, that I invite you to greet the holy among us. Now, either in the comments or by turning to your neighbor, let us greet the holy. Good morning. My name is A.J. Jaraska. I use they, them pronouns. Please join me in saying our words for the chalice lighting, which can be found in your order of service. As we kindle this flame, we honor... And remember those who have passed into the mystery. Their brightness lives on in our vision. Their courage lives on in our commitments. And their love continues to bless the world through us. Our call to worship this morning is Anyone's Ministry by Reverend Gordon McKeeman. Reverend Dr. Gordon Butler Bucky McKeeman served as a UU parish minister for 39 years before becoming president of the Star King UU Seminary, where he served for five years. Ministry is a quality of relationship between and among human beings that beckons forth hidden possibilities. Inviting people into deeper, more constant, more reverent relationship with the world and with one another. Carrying forward a long heritage of hope and liberation that has dignified and informed the human venture over many centuries. Being present with, to, and for others in their terrors and torments, in their grief, misery, and pain knowing that those feelings are our feelings, too. Celebrating the triumphs of the human spirit, the miracles of birth and life, the wonders of devotion and sacrifice. Witnessing to life-enhancing values, speaking truth to power, speaking for human dignity and equity, for compassion and aspiration, believing in life in the presence of death, struggling for human responsibility against principalities and structures that ignore 
humanness and become instruments of death. It is all these, and much, much more than all of them, present in the wordless, the unspoken, the ineffable. It is speaking and living the highest we know and living with the knowledge that it is never as deep or as wide or as high as we wish. Whenever there is a meeting that summons us to our better selves, wherever our lostness is found, our fragments are united, our wounds begin healing, we grow strong for the task there is ministry. One of the things that binds First UU together as a religious community is that the congregation has a common purpose. First, Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin, that common purpose is our mission. The congregation wrote it together and put it on the wall, and every Sunday, church participants say it together so that we may more readily Carry it with us in our hearts throughout the week. Let us say it together now. Together we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. Good morning. I'm Kelly Stokes. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm going to read you a story. And this story is for all ages, but I'd like to invite the children and anyone else who wants the best view of the pictures to come up and join me up here. So this story is called The Kindest Red, A Story of Hijab and Friendship by Ibtihaj Muhammad and S.K. Ali, and the artwork is by Hatem Ali. And um, Ibtihaj Muhammad is an Olympic medalist, and she wrote this book. And this book, it's partly about a picture day at school. Have any of y'all had a picture day at school where you've taken a picture recently? But it's also partly about, I think, it's a little bit like the covenants that we make in our classes and in our church and in our group. So keep an eye out and see what you think. See if you think what this class does is kind of like covenant. Mama holds up the dress. My sister, Asiya's dress. Before that, Mama's dress. Now it's mine. I hug it close. I've been waiting so long to wear it. Asiya does my hair just like Mama taught her. She says, almost done, Faiza, just like Mama. I get to slide the sparkliest scarf pin into Asiya's hijab to hug it tight. Mama takes our picture day picture before waving goodbye. My kind, beautiful girls, remember, you are strong and smart. You can do and be anything. At school, my friend Sophie twirls in a dress with big red roses and the biggest red sash. I twirl to show her we match. We march into class together. Today is a special day. It's time to think about what kind of world we want to live in, Miss Ramirez says. What kind of world do you want? She writes all our answers on the board. Can I read them to you? Ice cream world. Sunny world, happy world, healthy world, funny world, fair world, candy world, unicorn world. It's going to be such a good world. Ms. Ramirez asks each of us to draw the world we want and give it a name. Everyone around me picks up their colored pencils, and I see Sophie drawing superheroes, lightning bolts, 
and flowers. Mama would say, draw a beautiful world. Asiya would say, draw a strong world. What do I want? A kind world. A world where there's always a friend nearby. A world of friends helping one another. Okay, class, it's recess time, Miss Ramirez says. Are you ready to make your wishes for the world come true? When we get outside, I link my arm with Sophie's. Let's make the world kinder, I say. With our superpowers, Sophie says. We look for ways to grow a kind, powered world. Molly wants someone to bounce a ball with. Andre wants to play with London, so we look for her. Jada wants to play tag, so we chase each other. It's going to be such a good world. At our second recess, our class keeps using our powers to make the best world. I run to Asiya to make her day even better and ask her, is there anything I can help you with? She smiles and gives me and Sophie and Jada a turn with her basketball. We feel even more powerful after that. Priya needs help putting a band-aid on her hand. Sophie needs her sash tied into a big bow. Mateo needs help with his bow tie. Sophie needs help with her sash tied into a big bow. Violet and Felix need to stop fighting over the jump rope, so they decide to take turns. When it's time to line up, Sophie needs her sash tied into a big bow again. Mateo and I help her. Our class picture is full of big smiles. Later, Asiya comes to pick me up from my classroom. Sophie's brother and Priya's sisters come to pick them up too. It's sibling picture time. Me and Asiya all by ourselves. We get in line. Molly is wearing the same shirt as her siblings. Andre has the same tie as his brother. Priya is wearing jeans like her sisters. Sophie's brother even has a vest covered with roses. Seeing them makes me happy and sad. Because Asiya and I don't match at all. When Sophie sees my face, she asks, are you okay? Jada asks, do you need help? Aren't those awesome questions? Don't you love those questions? I love those questions. I tell them. Jada says something to Sophie, and Sophie nods and pulls her sash so hard, its big bow falls. She pulls it out of its loops, and Jada spreads it out, and it's big and wide and strong, just like Asiya's hijab. It's the most beautiful picture day ever, just like Mama wanted. I want a kind world. A world where kindness passes from one to another. Like Mama passing on her dress. Like Asiya doing my hair. Like our class passing power to each other. Like Jada passing on an idea. And Sophie passing her sash. Like me passing on this story. The end. Let's go see what kind of a kind world we can make, shall we? Our reading today is One Love by Reverend Dr. Hope Johnson. According to a bio on the UUA website, Reverend Dr. Hope Johnson was a beloved UU elder with specialties in conflict resolution and multicultural congregational development.
We are one, a diverse group of proudly kindred spirits, here not by coincidence, but because we choose to journey together. We are active and proactive. We care deeply. We live our love as best we can. We are one, working, eating, laughing, playing, singing, storytelling, sharing, and rejoicing, getting to know each other, taking risks, opening up, questioning, seeking, searching, trying to understand, struggling, making mistakes, paying attention, asking questions, listening, living our answers, learning to love our neighbors, learning to love ourselves, apologizing and forgiving with humility, being forgiven through grace, creating the beloved community together. We are one. This is the time of our service where we center ourselves together, where we breathe together. And breathing together, we sense one another's loving presence. Breathing in and breathing out, we follow our own breath to a deeper place inside, a place of greater wisdom, a place where a spark of the divine resides within each of us. Let us listen to the words of Reverend Leslie Tahachi Morris. All that we have ever loved and all that we have ever been stands with us on the brink of all that we aspire to create. A deeper peace, a larger love, a more embracing hope, a greater generosity of spirit, a deeper joy in this life we share. Breathing together, we enter into a time of sacred silence, all the while remembering that nowhere in the world is fully silence. Let us breathe. I invite you now to light candles if you are so moved. Candles representing sorrow or joy, hope, remembrance, resilience, whatever it is you need to honor during this time. As we light candles, I invite you to keep in your mind and heart community members who are ill or sorrow and those who are celebrating joys. Let us hold the silence together throughout this meditative time.
So I came to this church, what feels like a lifetime ago, but it was just before the pandemic. So I don't even know when that was. But I came to the church because my friend said, can you come and sign a petition? Obviously, I was already one of y'all's because I was waking up on a Sunday morning to sign a petition. I had no idea what a Unitarian Universalist was. I really wasn't interested in church. But then I heard what was weird music. It wasn't weird. I just, again, didn't know what Unitarian Universalists were. So I came into the sanctuary, and Reverend Chris talked about things that were heavy on my heart, like real-world things. He talked about white supremacy culture and how it was destroying us and how we had an obligation to fight against it. Never in my life had I gone into a church to hear what was really weighing on my soul be spoken to in such a loving way. And I was hooked. I fell in love hard. I mean, here was this intentional community who was committed to justice, who was committed to people who were seeking asylum, who was committed to people who were being oppressed. Y'all, this church does good work. Really amazing work. And then we voted to do the eighth principle, which was more of that good work. But from where Reverend Clark says, we come together to get good and do good. It was more about the getting good so that we could do good. That we could take the internalized oppression in ourselves and in ourselves and do the work. So that we could do the work. How could you not be in love with that? (laughs) This is good stuff that we're doing. We are getting together to get good and do good. And we don't always get it right. For example, I was working at a church, a really amazing church. They are also doing really good work. And I found out... That a few trans people had been using the bathroom that was all genders. It was a single-use bathroom. And they felt uncomfortable. So I thought. There was no stall door on it. They had just converted a single bathroom. And so it was pretty big. There was a lock. It wasn't a great lock. And there was no stall door. So I thought, I can fix this problem. Right? It was a tangible thing I could do. Which, let's be fair, most justice work doesn't feel super tangible. Not to dissuade anyone, but let's just be honest. So I learned about stalls. I learned about stall doors and pilards, which is totally a thing. I learned that they're all made of different material. I learned so much, and I measured it to make sure it was ADA compliant. I was good, got bids in, chose the best bid, door came in, everything's good. And then I was like, but we don't stop there. I want to put shelves in so we can have period products all over the church. Where do I hang the shelves so they're accessible? So I go back to my friend Google. It helped me before. Um, But it's not giving me clear answers. So I'm put in touch with one of the members of the congregation who is a wheelchair user. And I invite her, can you please help me figure this out? So she comes in. We head straight to the bathroom. I'm now 
so proud of because I've solved the problem. And I'm telling her about the pilaster and the door and all this stuff that I'm sure she didn't care about at all. And she says, if you put a door on that stall, you will have removed the only accessible bathroom here. Ice cold water through my entire body. I had made a mistake. And it wasn't out of malice. It was out of ignorance. Turns out that Googling what people need is real different from what people actually need. She was so gracious and so kind. She took me throughout the entire church and showed me all the barriers to entry for her. And it turns out shelves are not a good solution. They're not a good solution for people who have mobility needs. They need to be able to move things around. I learned a lot that day. But the most important thing I learned was that relationship is the only way that we're really going to do this work in any meaningful way. But what does that mean? I mean, I have a lot of relationships that aren't, you know, doing the work of justice. What I mean by this is centered relationship. And centered relationship is when we're coming from that core of us. We call it self. Maybe we call it the spark of the divine. But we'll know it because we are leading with curiosity, compassion, and love. So curiosity. I was curious, does this meet ADA compliance? But that also had ego and agenda. I really wanted it to meet ADA compliance, so I didn't have to think of it anymore. When we are approaching things with actual curiosity, we put those things on the back burner. Because we really want to just get to know what that person needs. Like, I'd like to think for a moment... If you want someone to know about you, what are the things you want them to know about you? You probably want them to know about where you come from, what you love, what lights you up, what you're working on. You probably aren't too dead set on them knowing your demographics, right? We are not just numbers. And data points. We're full people who have needs. And when we are striving to undo oppression in ourselves and in ourselves, we have to get really good at listening for what people need and not assuming. So we approach with curiosity. And then... We can have compassion. And for compassion, I go to the beloved teacher and Zen master, Technohan, who says that compassion is setting with seeing someone, really seeing them, past your preconceptions, past the ideas that you have about them, and really able to see them, see their suffering. And in the seeing of that, he says, we actually help to remove a little bit of the suffering of the other 
because so much of our suffering is multiplied when we are feeling alienated. That's the kind of community I want to be a part of. Those are the kind of relationships I want to have. And I do it from a place of love. Listen, we're not building the beloved community if we're not doing this from a place of love. And we're human, which, thank goodness, because systems of supremacy want to rip us away from our humanity. So any chance we have to double down on that, let's do that. But our humanity invites us to really utilizing the most important thing that I think love gives us. And that's courage. When we get it right, yay. (laughs) But when we get it wrong, it can be really embarrassing and uncomfortable. In fact, most of the time, you're doing the best work when you are uncomfortable. But love says, stay there. You can do this. You know, one of the best things that I've ever been told as a parent is that even really good parents, and I think it applies to anybody who has any kind of relationship where they want to be really good at it, but even people who are really working on it, they only get it right about half the time. For those perfectionists in here, I'm sorry to tell you that. (laughs) But I hope maybe that it'll allow you to hear this. Our relationships are not always about getting it right. We should try. We should. We should try not to cause harm to one another. Really, we should. But when we don't, when we do cause harm, love says... Get back in there, get in your discomfort, and go and make amends. Go and reconcile. This is beyond, I'm sorry, let's move aside. This is actual reconnecting. Love is powerful because it helps us to hang out in that place and move past our discomfort to creating those centered relationships. That's the kind of world we need. That's the kind of space we need here. And you know what? I know we do that. Sometimes we do that really well. We do a lot of great and amazing things at this church. And sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't and people get harmed and they leave or... They just don't feel as connected as they could. And I know that's not what we want. That's not how we build the beloved community. So instead of saying, we don't always get it right, that doesn't invite us to self-flagellation. Like, that's not getting anywhere and anywhere. That's not beneficial to the work. But rather, it says, okay, I'm human. All right, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to make amends? And maybe it helps us to realize that as we build this beautiful community, 
that we ourselves, with our limited lens, we don't have enough of everything we need. And that's okay. We need each other. Because try as I might, I can't harmonize by myself. I need others to lend me their perspective, their joy, and sometimes even their energy. And we only get there if we're open to each other through relationship that seeks to know one another and not to have it all figured out. Please join us in the words for extinguishing our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we carry in our hearts until we are together again. This week, I hope you know that love holds you that love sees you in all your imperfections and your perfection, in all your success and all your failings, and it does not flinch. May it hold you this week as you go about this life and us together as we continue to do the amazing work of building the beloved community. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.